welcome into episode 148 of Living Off the Land. Special guest this week, Chris Turlop, joins us of Sirius XM and a good childhood friend of mine. He tells us a little bit about what it's like to work as a sports content producer as a professional. Shares a few examples of some crazy events that he's seen and been to and a couple fun stories about some of the athletes and coaches that he's met along the way. We get into the J.J. Watt sweepstakes talk as well as some Cleveland Indians payroll and general baseball woes. But first, we've got the Bear of the Week. Here we go. Welcome to Living Off the Land, the All Things Cleveland podcast with your hosts, Jordan, Jimmy, Ryan, and Dan. Follow us on social media at the LOTL podcast. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 148 of Living Off the Land. Thank you for tuning in and joining us this evening, this morning, afternoon, whenever you're listening to us. I am here with my good buddies, Dan and Jordan. How are we doing, guys? Mm. Oh, we're good buddies. That's nice. Good I buddies. Like, I like the sound of that. I've been listening to I've been watching a lot of Letterkenny lately, so everybody's like, bud. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Anybody watch Letterkenny? But no, I don't. I don't. Oh, yeah, well, sure. I've All watched right. Kenny versus Spenny. Has anybody watched that? I have not. We're going to get into Letterkenny talk later as well. Letterkenny, okay. It's a great show. But uh, even more importantly than us three chuckleheads is my even better buddy, Chris Mm. Turlop, joining us, an old childhood friend of mine who's going on to do uh, big, amazing things in the world sports. Chris has uh, been kind enough to join us this evening. How are we doing, Chris? I mean, this is the nicest you've ever spoken about me. Like, even better buddy is, Uh, like, the nicest thing you've ever told me in our lives, so... I'm just, I'm excited. Yeah, I have all these guys fooled. They, they don't they don't know as much of the shenanigans that we used to get into and the terrible wow. things that we used to, well, mostly me, would say. Terrible things. I was, yeah, I was, high school was a different time, man. It was a different, uh, hey, was I, a different was, I was there. I was just there a few years <laughs> earlier paving the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good old uh, Strongsville High. Another, I tell you what, man, the more Strongsville people keep coming out of the woodwork. They just find us. I feel like Strongsville is a pretty solid suburb in the city. Yeah. I feel like they're well, well-rounded and all that, yeah. Chris and I, uh, well, Chris is still far away. Chris is uh, often in the D.C.-ish world. I, technically, oh. Virginia. Is that, am I, am I yeah, wrong? Yeah, Alexa- yeah, I'm in Alexandria now, so like 20 minutes. Oh, that's cool. I, I lived in D.C. for a summer. It was a wild experience. Had a good time. It's, I, uh, it's definitely a, weird, uh, a did, weird place to get used to at times. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a fascinating <laughs> city. Um, Especially moving from the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. So that was something that I experienced with a brief pit stop in the south, and then heading up to New England, uh, just experiencing different uh, different regions and what that all meant. And I briefly visited DC, uh, and, and I, I would like to go back and check it out a little bit more. But it's a different animal, that's for sure. The East Coast is absolutely different than the the Midwest. But that's enough geography for the night. We're yeah, what are we beer. drinking? We're drinking beer. So to stick with the Strongsville thing, I actually went with uh, a brew kettle uh, beer that we're all probably familiar with. Many of you out there have heard of this, the White Raja. Um, this is their, I guess, you would, would you call this their flagship IPA? It's definitely yeah, what they're yeah. probably best known for. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. it's their um, flagship for sure. This is, 
something, you know, again, I, I had this a long time ago when I was first starting to get into craft beer. And I don't think I've had it in, gosh, years since. Chris, have you had White Raja before? I have, yeah, yeah. It's actually, so Brew Kettle is actually like two minutes away from where my parents live. Mm-hmm. Um, so normally every time I'm home, at least take one trip down there and have some beverages. So, yeah, I've had a, I'm not a big IPA guy, um, but it's solid. Yeah, this is, mm-hmm. um, I remember a friend of mine who was very into craft beer before I got into it was telling me about how for a little while at least, this was like a nationally ranked beer, which I just thought was kind of hilarious and crazy that a little brewery <laughs> in, in Strongsville, Strongsville, yeah. Strongsville, Ohio, was doing something on a national scale. Across the street I, from the La Siesta. Right. <laughs> yeah, and down the road from that, uh, what was the the Kings? That, uh, oh, yeah. Kings Inn. Yeah. Kings, La Siesta. There's uh, the Mad Cactus, R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. That, that show was on... Um, What's that restaurant? Restaurant uh, Impossible. Yeah. Restaurant Impossible with Robert yeah. Irvine. Yeah. And then like two years later, it uh, closed. Irvine, I remember he was quoted as saying that th- that group of owners, that whoever that guy was, was one of the worst uh-huh. that he ever had to work with on that show. <laughs> so that's so that's funny because like when, before they shut down, they literally had a sign made that said, sorry, Robert, we went back to the $4 stakes because like he made them stop. And they oh, put it up no. and thought it was like funny. They oh, God. Later. And then earlier this year, I kept Robert Irvine on hold for 20 minutes, not knowing he called into a show. (laughs) You know, it's funny you mention that. I I remember seeing something about that on Twitter, and I'm I'm sitting there on my like scrolling my usual feed, like you know, refreshing it a million times a day because you know quarantine and blah blah blah. And I'm looking at like I know this is my friend Chris, and like this is that celebrity chef who's done all kinds of crazy things, and they're like like, interacting with one. I just I see your. You're, well, first of all, your mentions are hilarious, and we'll, I'm getting a, out, of, out of order here, but uh, your, your Twitter game is uh, substantially more impressive than mine, and I've seen you with some crazy interactions on there, and that was that was one of them that was that caught me off guard. It caught me off guard. So, yeah, we're going out of order, so I apologize, but just to get no, no. Play, yeah. <laughs> um, terrible tease. Like, if it was normal right now, I'd tease it, there'd be a commercial break. The podcaster. Yeah, we're not big enough to have commercials uh, yet. We're some, uh, we're a couple one take wonders here, so we just stream of consciousness and go. Yep. That's fine. My wife's a first grade teacher, and one of her students has what radio is today, so that made me feel oh. real good. Nice. There we go. Um, <laughs> so, so I was filling out on a show, and it was one of the host's birthdays. Um, for, the show's called uh, Morning Minutes on Mad Dog Radio. It was Mike Babchek's birthday, so they're having like the other host is having like their favorite guests call it enjoy the show and whatever and then he's texting me in studio like who's calling in next like keep an eye out for this person between 8 and 8 30 like linda Cohn was one of them and uh there's a bunch of others like random people that they're friends with so we have a separate hotline for that it's a different phone number for vips and guests and there's the regular caller lines well someone calls in on the caller line because everybody's also calling in to wish him happy birthday to listeners and it's just some guy like hey it's robert like don't 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 tell him it's me but like get me out of them. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. Where are you calling from, Robert? And it's, I think he's in Jersey. So I put him hold as Robert from Jersey. So he eventually gets <laughs> on. Bab check, if you ever keep me on hold for 25 minutes. And they're like, who is this? Like, it's Robert Irvine. And I'm like, oh, no. And they just threw me under the bus. Like, wow. so hard. Back Dude, that's probably like when so you just fun. you just feel like, all feverish and like <laughs> so uh, i would that's that must be so hard to recover from but <laughs> like getting it's called so out like that <laughs> yeah 
Nothing like Whew. keeping a, like a, a celebrity on hold for, yeah, damn near a half hour. Oh, all right. Not so, big enough to keep rubbing her. Yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. a big You deal. know what? Yeah, <laughs> you should be proud of that, honestly. <laughs> you had some power when you controlled that board, right? Um, so, yeah, let's do this. Let's so, knock the beer out of the way. Let's get this show on the yeah. road there. And then we can get into uh, introducing you properly so that folks who are listening actually know how you have such experiences. Um, Jordan, how do you feel about this beer? I remember you said pre-show you were talking about yeah. you have some feelings about it. So before I get to my feelings, oh. I looked it up on Beer Advocate. Uh, this is still highly regarded nationally. Really? So it's got a 96 rating on Beer Advocate, considered world class. Um, it is ranked 21 for American IPAs hmm. in Beer Advocate. So that's exceptional. Uh, I assume this is because it's more of an old school style IPA. Uh, my personal thoughts, it's a good beer. It's very citrus forward. It's very piney. Um, yeah, it's a it's hoppy. It packs a punch. Like this is this is what an IPA. When people think of an IPA, at least traditionally, this is what you know. I think most people yeah. would imagine an IPA is. Well, people think pine salt. They yeah. think white raja. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it, it's good. I, I like it. It's not my preferred type anymore because I'm pretty sold on and hooked onto hazies at this point in my life. But this is a good beer. Uh, are we ranking them right now? Yeah. Or? Go ahead. Yeah. I'll I'll go. I'll go seven point five for this. It's it's a little too it's a little too harsh for my taste. Although I will say, um, it's not as bad as I remembered it being. And I'm sure that's probably because since I've had it last time, I I've just had more beers since then. Right. And whatever. But yeah, You've seven point. We'll go seven point five. Okay. It's good. I'll buy it. I would buy it again. It's not my preferred choice, but I I would certainly buy it again, especially now that I've tasted it and it's not as bad as I <laughs> thought it would be. <laughs> right. It's, right. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Me? Okay. Do it. Uh, <clears throat> I wish Jimmy was here so he could tell us about the can art. Uh, <coughs> the elephant on the on the can. I like the color scheme. Black and green. Kind of, you know, Strongsville Mustang-ish, as we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just... Uh, th- th- so this is what you would consider a West Coast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's tradish- uh, typical West Coast style IPA. Very piney. Um I mean, I, I like it. It's, it's a good beer. It's not my technical style that I really like. Like Jordan said, I'm really big into the hazies. Um, but I think I'm going to go 6.7 um, for my score. And I think more so for me when, when we say buy it again, I, I take that as like if you're at a bar and it's on tap, would you order it? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like going into – uh, a liquor store or giant eagle yeah. and finding a six pack because I to be honest I don't really do that that often I'm more so like um, if I go out I'll drink a beer like on draft or whatever um, so I I don't think I would order this again I feel like there's mm. at any any place I feel like there's something it's just, be, it's just the style well, yeah, if this was a hazy IPA I'm sure I would be like yes it's just the style for me it's nothing against brew kettle um, and like Jordan said objectively it's one of the you yeah. know, best IPAs uh, going uh, according to Beer Advocate. So um, this isn't me putting them down. It's just yeah, it's not my style. Yeah. It's like what I'm always going on about whenever we do some kind of Oktoberfest yeah. or fall pumpkiny beer or, or anything from Fatheads. Man, we're not I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I took a week off. I took a week off last week from giving you crap. Say, I haven't gotten crap about the Fatheads thing in a while. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean I'm similar to you guys. The the New England style, the hazy style IPA. That's what's all the rage right now, and that's very much what I am. Uh, uh, 
I prefer. This is still, again, objectively good. Uh, I would buy this. I, you know, if, I, yeah, if I'm in a bar and I see that there's like Hayes Jude or there's some other kind of, you know, popular Cleveland area hazy that's on the menu, I'm probably going to lean towards that. But if it was Hayes this or Jude. something dark. I always have to do that whenever someone says <laughs> Yeah, I know. I think, I, I think the exact same thing. Um, yeah, I would order this again. Although now, you know, not to cut you off, but I, I'm now I want to try it on draft. I can't. I, it's been a long. Oh, any beer's time. better on draft, right? You know? It's been a long time since I had it on draft. Yeah, even longer than since the last time I had it. Yeah, I would probably give this something up in the high sevens. I'm thinking like seven, eight. Oh, this is, this okay. Is yeah. All right. This well, is out of, out of respect for what it is. Yeah. Um. So all right. Well, that's beer of the week. Um. If anybody out there uh, is in the area, I would definitely recommend it. If, if you're somebody who is not an IPA person, this is like Jordan said, kind of an aggressive. You're not choice. gonna like it. This, this is yeah. This is uh, when someone says like like what Chris just said like you know I'm not really an IPA guy like this is not a this is not an IPA for you to try, bud. This you, is you, this would be a miss. You know whose whose opinion I'm super curious. I'm probably gonna tag him if he doesn't say something tomorrow. Mm. Is Paul? Yeah, Taco Paul. I'm very curious what his thoughts are because he has strong opinions on, you know, just beer in general. And I'm curious what he thinks on this since it's such a OG, highly regarded IPA, you know. His thoughts or his thoughts? <laughs> it's quality. <laughs> quality. Uh, oh, my gosh. All right. So, yeah, that's it. Beer of the week. Everyone go uh, grab yourself some White Raja. Give it a shot. See what you think. Yeah. Um, Chris, what are you drinking? Um, I have a Dogfish Head Sequench. Oh. Ooh, hello. A classic. A little you, sour. You would probably like that, right? Yeah. Well, that's and that's what that's what I was saying is, I was like, oh, so you like sour beer? And you're like, not really. No. Nope. <laughs> so what? What I have in the house right now, Rachel. Uh, my wife's a huge fan. So. Well, tell her like, and per okay. usual. I love and respect and appreciate her, especially her taste in beer. So kudos like, to her. I feel like the ladies like the sours. I feel. Generally I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Teresa loves them. Her friend Rachel loves them. I just feel like it's. I, don't I mean, know. they're weird. Like, don't get me wrong. It's a. It's a unique. Women thing. are weird, or no. the sours are weird. <laughs> the sour, <laughs> oh, the, the sours. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to tread messing. lightly on this one. Well, I mean, <laughs> very few sours actually taste like beer. That's why I don't like. Yeah. Them. Yeah. yeah and strange. that's why I think that's, a lot of women yeah. probably do like them. Yeah. Could be. I well, think. I. I don't know. I've also noticed that people that and maybe it's just a coincidence because. Uh, the people we've all mentioned also like cider. And maybe it's just if yeah. you like cider, you like sours. You know, maybe. I don't know. Does your wife like, uh, does Rachel like cider? No, Rachel's not a, Rachel's IPAs and sours. Oh, that is a really interesting. Rachel, my girl. Wait. Let's go. Rachel also admits like not having, like having a trash palate where she just doesn't taste <laughs> anything. And I'm the one who like cooks and does everything and she just like um, you are a spectacular chef. I don't know if that helps. well see that would make sense why she likes ipas and sours i mean they have such right? powerful like flavors true yeah huh. very true i think we're onto something here wow. we're learning more the code about, we talk about beer every single week and you'd think that we would know a whole lot more about beer by now but you know we're still just oftentimes you know what we need to do beer. lotl needs to go take when everything's normal is go take one of those great lakes beer classes where you like you yeah. learn about beer, you learn about what to pair it with, and you learn about like the science behind it. That's what we need to do. It's when we where we can finally figure out what a leather bag tastes like. Yeah. All <laughs> yeah. the all the tannins and such. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah. Um Well Chris, again, thank you for joining us. We were talking uh, amongst ourselves the other day, we being, you know, the LOTL guys, we're talking about, you know, we love obviously we love talking about sports and beer and all these things. But we also love to highlight local businesses. We also like to bring on guests. And uh, Chris, you were one of the first guys that came to my mind uh, when we were thinking about bringing people on because 
you do uh, this for a living. You you work with SiriusXM. Chris is the executive producer of SiriusXM's College Sports, and you sent me a, in a text. It looks like you got a whole host of things that fall under that umbrella. So it's a first of all, it's a spectacular title. I, kudos to you, my guy. Under that umbrella, ESPNU, pretty much every major you know college you know division, ACC, Big Ten, Big Twelve, Pac twelve, SEC, the whole every conference really essentially falls under that umbrella, and and you are the executive producer of that. Uh, how how the hell does that happen, bud? I still don't really know. <laughs> right up the street from y'all. Could have been my roommate, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I almost went to Wright State to play baseball, and then that didn't happen. But if I was going to go, Ryan and I were going to go to Wright State, room together, and have a radio show. So this is, like, the first time that's been able to actually, like, possibly see what could have been from that aspect. Uh, But I ended up at Baldwin Wallace, uh, majored in broadcasting and marketing. Uh, When I was there, I pretty much took every internship possible, um, play-by-play, uh, television. I was doing games on Sports Time Ohio for their Division Three high school games at one point. Uh, worked at the radio station WBWC three, one of the greatest college stations in the country. It really is. Um, really. WBWC. Oh yeah, no, I, they they consist. I remember you telling me, and I, I feel like they still do to this day consistently. There, that's the the Sting yeah. is awesome, dude. Hundred percent student run. Um, but yeah, so I, I went there, did that, interned at ESPN Cleveland my senior year. Um, got hired halfway through my senior year as a part-time producer, board op, um, reporter. I was the minor league reporter for the Indians when Frankie was in Double A, which was pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, he uh, did not speak English well when the reporters were around, and then he would like lighten up if he got around that, so he's fine. He would just act like he didn't want to speak English um, when he was a kid and didn't want to deal with any of it. Um, but that was still really cool to cover him and like see him back. Um, sorry, I'm using a lot of filler. First, that's not a good thing. You're, not <laughs> you're good, man. You're good. Right. Um, but then I um, went up to Green Bay, Wisconsin, took a job at the local CBS affiliate in Green Bay to be the Packers beat reporter. I hosted an afternoon show and then also kind of oversaw the two channels that we had there as the uh, assistant program director. And then did that for about two years. And Sirius XM was next. I was kind of looking for the next thing. Got a job on Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Did that mm. for a few years, rose up through that, and then got hired to be the EP of College Channels two and a half years ago now. Um, and we started, originally it was just ESPNU radio, and then we created the Power 5 conference channels. So that was like a whole journey to put those together, and it was really cool to actually build stations from scratch. And now here I am. So I've just been very lucky with the opportunity. That's awesome, man. And if I'm not mistaken, you said that you were, I think at the time, and even maybe to this day, the youngest executive producer was that? In the sports department. In the sports department, yeah. I mean, so just like meteoric rise kind of thing. Seriously, that's, that's, uh, and to think we could have had a show, man. What the hell? It could have been completely different. Like everything would have been different. I know, yeah. Well, and I was talking with the guys. I mean, it's, you know, we sit here, we talk sports every week. So we pretty much do, like, the same thing. You know, it's, you know, on the same yeah. level, I, I, you know, I assume. You know, we got, we got our listeners and you have yours, sure. But uh, how uh, 
So you've done, I get every once in a while, I'll see a Snapchat come through or I'll get like, it will be like a group text will be going on of you in just some ridiculous situation where I see you're on a Zoom call and there's Nick Saban or you're doing, you're conducting an interview and it's, oh, Patrick Ewing is here today or, what? you know, like you, you've had some really cool opportunities either interviewing folks or setting up, you know, interviews as the producer for your, your on-air talent. So off, off the cuff, do you have a couple guys in particular that either left you really truly starstruck or people that you like don't believe you actually had the opportunity to meet or grab a bite to eat with or something like that? Yeah, I've been very, very lucky. Um, Green Bay was awesome. I mean, I got to be in the Packers locker room four days a week and interview Aaron Rodgers and Clay Matthews and A.J. Hawk and uh, Brian Balaga. I was there for David Bakhtiari's rookie year, and he was someone who was like, he was the backup tackle as a rookie. I was 23, 24. <coughs> so that was like someone who like I would go to to like try to get stuff because no one else was trying to talk to him. At the time. Um, and we were both the same age, which was weird, like, professional athletes making millions of dollars like look at my life in green bay wisconsin and look at your life little different slightly but like that like being able to do that like mike mccarthy was the head coach then and was always pretty uh solid to talk to um to be able to talk to those guys like once a week in the locker room was unreal that was kind of like the wow like this is a thing like this is what i've wanted to do my whole life and now i'm talking to aaron Rodgers, who's the greatest quarterback in the nfl arguably at the time um so, like, that opportunity was really cool in Green Bay. And then when I came to SiriusXM NASCAR, uh, I worked with Kevin Harvick, did a weekly show that I produced. Jeez. So I did that with him for a few years. I'd go down to the track. The one time he uh, – when I was – I told him I was coming down. So, like, he met up and, like, hooked me up with a spot on top of his pit box, which was really cool for the race in Bristol. So we watched, like, half the race from the top of Kevin Harvick's pits. Jeez. Uh, which was really cool. And then – yeah, NASCAR's crazy. Like NASCAR, like that culture and like the amount of people that like really buy in, it's it's unreal. Like that community. And, like growing up, like you know, like I like NASCAR growing up, just because my grandpa used to race. And just kind of always in my family. But being able to do that and like meet those drivers, Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, Dale Jr. It that was always really cool to me. And these are guys um, you actually you like met these guys. Like you're not just yeah, like oh yeah, hey he's over. Guys, yeah. Golly, yeah. dude. Uh, different media events. And being Sirius XM NASCAR, you were the only radio station that was a partner of NASCAR. You have MRN, you have PRN, call the races, but Sirius XM NASCAR was it. So whenever we were at events, we would have a spot and they'd bring Joe Gibbs by. Sat down, like, met Joe Gibbs and Richard Petty. Like, it's unreal. Like, the, the interaction I was able to have with some of these NASCAR drivers and covering them, it's, it's different and you get a little burnt out sometimes, but it's still early on, it was like really. St- there were starstruck moments for sure. And then I moved over to college. And like you said, the two weeks ago, we did a town hall with Brett Favre, Kenny Chesney, and Nick Saban, which was really cool. Think about being on a Zoom call with those guys. Like, what <laughs> What a collection of guys. That was really cool. Like, And then, yeah, as you mentioned, Patrick Ewing. Um, so the past two years, I produced Ewing's show. He had a show on Sirius XM. So I'd go over to Georgetown every week and sit in the office with Patrick and coach him up and produce the show and book the guests and be texting guys like Charles Barkley and have Charles Oakley kind of tell me to like that sounds terrible. when I asked him to come on. <laughs> so it just like working on that show was unreal. Cause like the goal was to get the dream, the, the whole dream team on at some point over the two years, I was unsuccessful in doing so. Um, That's why. But it was it, like, I got to talk like 
Bill Russell's wife called me to politely decline an interview, but like Bill Russell's wife called me. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like, how is that happening? <laughs> so the, there's a lot of really cool stuff like that, all the championships and being down on the field and working with some of these guys that I get to work with. Being on the field for my first national championship, standing next to Tim Tebow before we went on the field. Like, that was something wow. that was kind of surreal just because that was someone I was a huge fan of growing up. Um, but at the end of the day, like, he's a broadcaster, like, much, much better and well-renowned and on-air and all this stuff, but we're kind of in the same field there to do the same job. So that's always kind of wild to think about. You know, you have all you have all these experiences. What, what was, like, what would be – and this is probably an impossible question to ask, so I'm going to ask it, <laughs> or to answer, so I'm going to ask it. Um, what would be the one situation you found yourself in where you're just like, holy crap? Um, I feel like I'm like that before like every Final Four or National Championship game we've done because yeah. like National Championship, since we're ESPN U Radio, ESPN owns the rights to the college football playoffs, so we get to do the show – from one of the radio broadcast booths, so we do the pregame from the stadium. And then as the game's ending, we're able to go on and stand on the sidelines. But at the end of the game, just as soon as the time's up, we're the ones running on the field with like you have a, I think at the time I had like Tom Luganbill or Danny Cannell, I forget which was my first like host that went with me, we run on the field and you're just grabbing players. And like, hey, ESPN you read it because we're live. Yeah. And we're just like the producers are all talking to each other on separate headsets saying I have this person, so then we have a paper that we're showing our host, like, throw it to this host, because there's four of us on the field at the same time, like, grabbing interviews, going back and forth. And just, like, being in the middle of a national championship, I think it's when Clemson won it um, in 2018 now. Um, I was down there, and that was my first one, and, like, I'm trying to get Christian Wilkins to turn around and do an interview. And he just, like, was not doing interviews and literally, like, turned to, like, try to run me over. And, like, get out of the way because he was trying to celebrate. I'm just some dude like, hey, let's do an interview. So, like, those that like those situations, that was probably, like, my most, like, overwhelming because it was the first, like, live post game. We're live on the radio. We're talking to three to four other producers that are running around the field. We're trying to grab players to get them to talk on our live show. You can barely hear what anyone's saying. So it's it's insane. And it literally lasts 12 minutes. Yeah, and, just that, that was, and that, that was – that was the game uh, that essentially ended on a walk-off touchdown, right? Was that the was that the Desha- was that the Deshaun Watson to? Uh... No, 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 it wasn't Deshaun. Um, it was Trevor. Lawrence oh, it was Lawrence. Freshman, his freshman year. Oh, okay. Yeah, Trevor's freshman. Okay, gotcha. Um, it, it's just like that's super overwhelming. Probably the most like awestruck I've been in an event was Army Navy in 2019. Oh gosh. That was just, un- like, we were on the field when all the cadets came down. Like, we were on the field for, like, everything. Yeah. And it was just, and the day before, we were doing uh, Radio Row. Um, and there's probably, like, 15, 20 different stations from all over the country there. And they're bringing, like, Roger Staubach sitting down. So I'm like, hi, Mr. Staubach. Sit down and set you up for this interview. And Joe Girardi came by and hung out for a little bit with us. Um, there was, like, multiple Heisman winners. Um and then you had, like, the Secretary of the Army and the Secretary <laughs> of the Navy, like, walk in with their Secret Service, everyone surrounding them. We had the head of the Joint Chiefs the sh- uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff sat down and did, like, a hit with us. So just, like, all of that and then going to the game and having, like, the pageantry behind it all, it's unreal. Like, it's absolutely unreal. That's, like, the most, like, goosebump 
I've gotten for like these sporting events. Oh my gosh, dude! Uh, yeah, that's that's a game that that I I would love to be able to go to once in my life. Absolutely. I mean, I, I just listening to, again all the experiences you've had. You've you've got like the like the the what's what like the you you know the who's who you've been to like if i'm not mistaken you've been to obviously well you mentioned like college football playoffs and title games but also you know march madness you've done if i'm not mistaken you've done some march madness is that correct or did covid screw that up uh this past year it screwed it up but yeah before that you 2019 were... was my first year on college so yep. I do that one virginia won the national championship yep. right oh yeah um <clears throat> ruined from ruin to redemption so that yeah. was a really cool oh, tournament. Yeah. Being there for the Final Four was unreal. Like then you have like the coach. We have like Radio Row again, and there's like, a coaches convention. So you have like all these head coaches coming by. That are you know Tom Brennan from Vermont is one of our hosts, and he's the one who knocked off Jim Beheim in the mm. tournament. He's like a huge deal there. So like every coach, like any coach that's anybody that walks through, sits down and joins us just because like I got to catch up with TV. Like that's the boy, and everybody just loves him there except Jim Brennan <laughs> on the street. And he acted like he didn't know who Tom was and just, like, kept walking. Nice. Which was really cool. Um, but, yeah, like, Final Four, just, it's just the events around all of this and being able to work with people that were a big deal in those era, areas at some point in their life and, then like, seeing the interaction because it's such a small community. Um, that's always really cool to kind of see those, like, very personal interactions and be able to kind of be a part of it to some degree. Have uh have you guys figured out uh how you're gonna handle the tournament this year? Is everything gonna be virtual? Yeah, everything at this point is gonna be virtual. Um, to our knowledge, that's what we've been told so far. Things can change. Um, but it looks like if it'll probably be like our college football coverage, where it doesn't really make sense to send people for us, um, at least right now, um, because everything's virtual. So you go down, you're not really access to players or anything like that we're just right. assuming in Indianapolis bubble it's going to be they're going to try to do just that and keep the players and the coaches as safe as possible so it doesn't make sense to add more people to that equation true true gotcha. so I know that uh, a question I, I was thinking about um, and I, I didn't prep you with this one but I, I just thought of it I know that a lot of times there are coaches or ADs or players that have a bit of a reputation for Maybe not being the chattiest. You think of the Nick Sabins, you think of the Bill Belichicks of the world. But on the flip side, has there been an awesome experience? I'm not looking to badmouth anybody, but have you had some like really awesome experiences, like with a coach that was just like you mentioned that like you would go to, as a in Green Bay, you went to to Bakhtiari because he was a backup and you guys were similar and all that. Do you have a guy that like stood out as he was just really, really, really helpful? He was he was <coughs> decent to you as you were kind of making your way into the field or somebody who's willing to give you that extra five minutes for a sound bite or something like that? Um, so probably thinking back, I wish I was more confident when I was in Green Bay just because I was so young that I was still kind of like trying to figure it out and like what I was doing. But Aaron Rodgers was always someone that like, so he was the, since he was the quarterback, McCarthy would speak at the podium. Um, Post game, Aaron Rodgers would speak at the podium post game. The locker room would be open but then during the week. Aaron would be available uh, on Tuesdays. Like, the locker room would be open so you could go talk to any players. But for Aaron, it would be a scrum where everybody sets up around him. He's in his locker and you have multiple people asking questions. It's kind of crazy because you're like boxing people out, but you're also holding like three other stations' microphones because they couldn't get in because it's just, it's, it's a six foot locker. 
and you have like every national and local TV station wanting to quote from Aaron. But he was always really good with after. If you kind of go, if I would go up after, I don't know if it was because I was younger and he can kind of tell. But like it was always like the PR would be like, when the questions are done, they're done. And then he'd get ready to lock up. And they're like, hey, can I ask you like one? And he would always be like real cool about it. Um, so that was always nice to like have that honesty um, and have someone willing just to like recognize that it's just some kid like trying to figure it out and do his job. And I always really appreciated that. Like he could never. He doesn't know my name. Like he can never point me out, but just like that, like kindness. Um, when I was kind of trying to figure out, always kind of stuck with me. Um, outside of that, I mean, once I left Green Bay, I didn't do a ton of reporting, so it was more dealing with hosts and guests and whatnot. Um, but Aaron's probably the one in terms of interviewing people that was always like super kind and always kind of made time to give me honest answers. And I think that's that's actually an interesting answer because I think that a lot of the times. The perception of he, he has a perception about him, and I don't think it's fair. Oh, yeah, he does. But he definitely, I feel like he gets a rap, maybe from like national media or from like that thirty thousand foot view of being a bit gruff and rough around the edges and or not a nice guy or something. But I think that's, I mean, that's a great story, a little bit of insight into him. And I love that this past season he did uh, McAfee, Pat McAfee show to kind of again just show a little bit more of his personality and. I, this is a bit of a tangent, but I think it sort of fits into the whole... We, the term player empowerment has blown up in recent weeks and months, but I do think that this is him kind of maybe saying, like, hey, you know what? Like, I don't just have to wait for, you know, ESPN or, or any network to pull a quote or half of a quote. Uh, he's just going to go on, you know, Pat McAfee show and talk with a buddy and have a beer and a cigar and, and talk, you know, just kind of chop it up, so... I think that that's uh, – I was not expecting to hear the name Aaron Rodgers, but that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like I was bothering him every week because if I wasn't pretty sure PR would have pulled me aside. <laughs> I'd be like, get your stuff together. Enough's enough, dude, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but all the times that – and, like, that was the thing was he had a very, like – everybody just thought he was super sarcastic and didn't care. I'm just like, he's just a dude having fun. Like, he's 30-something years, like, 30 at this point around there, like – He's just having fun, man, and, like, he's not taking it too seriously. Everybody else is taking themselves a little too seriously as a sports reporter. Like, Yeah, what, what, what was it? He was, uh, like, up. it was, like, two days after uh, a devastating NFC championship loss, he's riding around the back of a pickup truck with a case of beer. Yeah. Right. A lot of these people don't like that athletes, that, like, they aren't their profession. Like, none of us really want to be our jobs. Like, you don't right. want to be identified as a job. As an athlete, you're identified, ad, identified as an athlete, but that doesn't mean that that's your whole life. Like, you can right. – it sucks. You're a competitor. You're upset when you lose, but it can't wreck your life. You have a bad day at work. You don't let it affect you for a week. Uh, yeah, I have, I have a question about that too. So, you know, I think as someone uh, – I've been a journalist before, but I've never really worked with sports. Uh, I was more politicians and local government, you know, local celebs, stuff like that. But, so I never really work with sports figures, so I don't have any insight into that. Um, I'm curious, like, kind of touching off what you just said, like, wh- what do you think your average, let's just, I just want to ask you a question, like, what do you, what would you suggest to your average fan um, who, like, processes these type of things? Like, what, what, what advice do you have to say to them? I mean, you kind of touched on it already, like, hey, they're just guys who have a job and they're going to go hang out with their buddies and, and jump on a pickup truck after a bad loss. Like, well, what's a perspective maybe that a fan or someone who doesn't have experience like you have could take from from being, a you know, watching their team lose and dealing with that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, like you said, like, they're just, they're just guys.
guys going about doing the job. They're just better at something that people care about. Like, no one really cares about, you know, how well an accountant could put numbers in until he's your accountant. Mm-hmm. So, like, then he makes an error, and then you're going to be mad and get upset and, like, really go at him for being terrible at his job. People feel like they're spending money in equity. I mean, literally, you're spending money to watch some sports game. Just, like, mm-hmm. the emotional equity that you put into your team. I mean, we're all from Cleveland. Like, we know the emotional equity of being a Cleveland fan. Oh it God! Sucks. It's <laughs> oh. real bad. Like, and like leaving Cleveland and like living in Green Bay and then like living in DC and having people just be like, "Oh, you're from Cleveland. Oh, you're wearing my tin couch jersey out somewhere." And they're like, "Oh, why do you do that to yourself?" I'm like, I hate myself. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't worry. I'm dead inside. It's fine. Everything's fine. Trust me. Like I have a tin couch. Like trust me. I've been here for a while. It's cool. And I think you kind of um, real quick. I think you kind of touched on something too. Like every athlete's different, right? So, like, there, there's so many athletes that, like, the athletes we all love. Like, I'm trying to think, like, um, I don't know, Kawhi Leonard. Like, he's so weird and goofy. Like, people, you know, he's, he's likable or whatever. But then you have other athletes that are standoffish, and it's like, hey, they're probably just an introvert. Like, and they just don't like talking to people. I don't know, right? I mean, I'm assuming you've probably no, that's, seen that's 100% that. right. Like, any any job you're in, you're going to have people that don't like to be talked to and introverts. Like, it's, it's literally like any other job when it comes to, like, the yeah. social emotional scales that you're going to run into and sometimes more so especially when you have a lot of these guys you've got a camera in their face or reporters all over them since they were 12 years old yeah and it's going to yeah. wear down it's going to get old i mean i always appreciate the guys who make an effort because they understand that they get paid a ton of money and fame's a part of it and being under a microscope's a part of it and being the target of some angry fans occasionally saying something to you or tweeting at you is a part of it but at the end of the day, like if they're making an effort, there's definitely a line that ninety nine percent of fans get way too excited at times and go past. Um, and then they have to process that, and they're expected to be better than the person who's hur- hurling insults at them. And this could be a twenty one year old kid and some fifty five year old dudes just yelling at him, tweeting at him, being ridiculous. Yeah. Well, that's the other side of, the, of of things that I was thinking about. Is you're right. Like every office has somebody that's chipper and jovial and fun to be around and makes the meetings go faster and easier. And then every office usually has the village asshole who just sucks the life out of the room. Like that happens in, in every locker room, I'm sure that happens in, in, in across all professions. But a lot of times we're talking about very young people. I mean, <coughs> NBA in particular, we're talking about kids who spent a year in college, you know, prior to, you know, or in recent, you know, in not so, you know, recent past straight out of high school. I mean, imagine what kind of monster. Well, Chris, you knew me in high school. Imagine what kind of maniac I would have been if you gave me a multi-million-dollar contract at 18 years old. I was, I was an immature asshole. Like I would have, yeah. I would have been, I would have flamed. I'd have been a nightmare. I would have flamed out of whatever league I theoretically could have been in in a heartbeat because I absolutely did not have the emotional maturity, the responsibility, any of that crap. And um, anybody who says they do is lying. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, that's, that's so, like, that's so yeah. accurate. Yeah. You're full of it. Like, yeah. you look back 20 years, all I would have done better days is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely not. It's, yeah, it, it, it's it's crazy to think about the sums of money that people get and the amount of power you get. <laughs> right. It's funny you bring that up because, like, I, I watch a lot of European soccer, and that's another sport where there's, like, teenagers playing. And I remember, like, way back when Wayne Rooney was always in the headlines. Everyone was always hating on him because, oh, he was seen drunk at a bar. I'm like... Yeah, he's like a 22-year-old dude who's a superstar for the at the time the greatest club in the world. Like, I don't under, you know, I, I mean it's I fall into this trap too. You know, I've I've said my 
unfair criticism to young athletes and their behavior. And I'm not here to justify bad beha- bad behavior, but you know, I mean, as anyone can attest, we've all had our nights. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I don't know. I just, I just, <laughs> I just think it's like we. It's a good lesson, and I'm glad we're talking about this because I'm trying to be more. I'm trying to put put my biases and my perspectives aside when it comes to this kind of stuff. And I was just curious your thoughts as someone who's you know interacted with these. You know, we we look at them as gods, honestly. And like they're like real life superheroes in our in our world, and I was just curious your perspective on all that because uh, yeah, as someone who's seen it firsthand. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how was it? Uh, how was it being a Browns fan living uh, outside of Cleveland uh, this past season? Um, it was fantastic. I was very upset that um, couldn't go to the, so I went to Ravens Browns every year. They've been out here. Um, Sometimes with my wife, I went by myself one year because she was out of the country, so I was just sitting by myself <laughs> in a Ravens stadium with a Browns jersey. That's your uh, brain, she man. Has a picture, she, uh, she has a picture of when we went, when Gary Barnage, when they beat the Ravens a few years, uh, four years ago now, maybe, mm-hmm. Barnage had to catch between his legs. Yes. Uh, we were Gary? there for that. That was in Baltimore. She has a picture of me, and I'm in a bright orange brown shirt in the middle of stands surrounded in purple people just like staring at me because like, i i very i try to be very respectful of like it's an away game you're a guest here and yeah. like, normally it's fine like the fans are all just like i respect you cleveland sucks like you have to yeah. actually like that like you're not yeah. a front runner it's not like a patriots man Ugh. sitting here screaming about it and then throwing his lebron jersey out the next day. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know hey. that someone really likes him um True. but yeah like it's it was this year was crazy it was weird because like i normally prefer to watch games at home like I found a Browns bar. I went to the Browns bar. I did not like watching a game. Fans are idiots, <laughs> including myself. That's just a different kind of idiot behavior, and I just can't deal with all of it. Um, but it was wild. Like just the ups and downs. Actually, being having more nationally televised games, so I can actually watch the Browns out here because I can't afford it. Right. I only get them when they're playing the Ravens or it's a national. Game. Yeah. So that was. Cool. Well, we're gonna have a lot of national games uh, next year, so be, <laughs> be able to watch them. Yeah, watch. It's, it's gonna be crazy. Well, that was so. I, I had the exact opposite experience because I was living up in New Hampshire, which is New England Patriots territory, as as yeah. you know, you briefly alluded to, and that was before Boo. I agreed, and that was before you know that was several years ago now, and that was before we have kind of turned this corner that we that we have. Is that during uh, one in thirty one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, God. yeah, that was that was rough times, and so people knew me as the Cleveland sports guy in the area. There were like three of us. There was a, a couple. One of my buddies was a professor, and another friend of mine from the department that I worked in. And uh, yeah, it was. There was this weird. Some people. It was. I wish it was more, but a few people actually like gave me the respect, just as you said, Chris, because it's like yeah. they're terrible, and you actually have to love this team and believe it to be a fan of this team, so I got some respect there. The rest was just this patronizing pity, and it's just Patriots fans just just rubbed me the wrong way. They're the worst. I, 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 can't, I can't handle it anymore. And then you know there's what? all these Patriots fans who are rooting for the Bucks in, in, in the past <coughs> Super Bowl. Oh, it's the worst. They it's were, like, it's they like, it's like, it's like Cleveland ago. fans here rooting for the Lakers. Yeah. Well, right. I'm one of them. I'm I, I'm rooting for LeBron. I think it's a little different. I think it's a little different. Here's the thing, like, though: you're not you didn't go out and buy LeBron Lakers jersey, correct. LeBron Lakers T-shirt, right, right. a headband, uh, I, shorts, and all that stuff. Yeah, 
I, I couldn't care less who LeBron. Le, LeBron could literally pick the worst team in the league next year to join him, and I'm like, they're going all the way. And I also know and why. I, and I also know why you're rooting for him. It's it's so, all legacy. It, go, it, it's, go. It's yeah, yeah. It's it's. <clears throat> I think he's the goat. But to further it's to prove yourself right against Jordan. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> not not, getting, so I'm not. I'm not getting thrown in the crosshairs yeah, no. of this again. And we're not going down this rabbit hole. So Chris, I don't know if you know Jordan and I have gone back and forth on this a couple times now about MJ versus LeBron and. Um, but no, I legitimately I somehow I got screamed at. Yeah, yeah. Dan always gets stuck in the middle of it. <laughs> We're not gonna get into this. Yeah. There's, there's I, reasons. I do, I do agree. Like for me, that is that is what it is. I I want it's legacy chasing at this point. And so, um, but yeah, I, you know, living in not Cleveland, uh, being a Cleveland sports fan was always this weird mix of like, oh, that's cute, and I'm like, screw you. Like I, you know, you and your your six rings over 10, 15 years or whatever you know it was. What, you know what term I absolutely hate? Mm-hmm. And it's 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 essentially what Cubs fans had gotten up until 2016 and what, I mean, essentially Cleveland fans also got before 2016 is, oh, they're just the lovable losers. Oh, yeah. It's the absolute worst. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, come over here. I'll sh- yeah, I'll give you yeah. something to love on. <laughs> yeah, uh, some of the fans embrace that though. Now I'm not. I don't know. I don't see that in Cleveland as much. But like Cubs fans, they were like, some of them were weird about it. Like yeah, they were like, here. no, but you know what I'm saying? Like they were. I know. Some I know. Cubs but it's just like, like oh, the term I "lovable like loser" them. is just yeah. like, oh, well, they're just. It's just the Cubs. Like you know, that's just what mm-hmm. they do. Yeah. Super patronizing. Crazy. It's super patronizing for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't. Yeah, well, I, I tell you what, I am excited, though, for next year. One, Chris, you are going to get a lot more national games, so that's exciting. You're going to see more uh, of the Browns yeah. just on TV. You're not going to have to stream anywhere. Um, and then, honestly, I think the Browns-Ravens games are going to be exciting for the next couple of years. Um, I think there's a lot to be excited about, and I think that the AFC North is going to go through either Baltimore or Cleveland for the next few years, unless – Pittsburgh does something radical to fix the quarterback position. Nah. I don't think they will, but I don't know what they're going to do. They're also in salary cap hell right now. They're in a rough spot with the cap. They're in a bad yeah. way. Like they're, 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 they're talking about, uh, you know, obviously because of the connections with the brothers and everything, about, you know, signing J.J. Watt. It's like they literally can't. They, yeah. They're like, going to have to. Like J.J. Watt would have to pay them to play for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, Essentially, I mean, they're so far close to the hard cap. Big Ben said he's willing to lower his number, but even if he does, but even then, yeah, even then, like they're not even in the neighborhood, right? To make something without moving. And the article came out. uh, The article Mary Kay came out with an article, which you know, take it for what it's worth. It's Mary Kay. You know, she's she (laughs) what? Oh, just nothing. (laughs) What? I didn't say anything. I, I'm just not a Mary Kay fan. That's just a me thing. That's just me. Yeah. Let, let me say this. She's she's gotten some stuff right. She's done some other things with her stories. <laughs> um, but she had an article today saying that the Browns are a very serious option for J.J. Watt because they have what he wants. And the two... Uh, the two biggest factors are money and the ability to possibly win a ring, which is insane, by the way, to hear that said about the Browns. But uh, that's what I think is, like, a lot of the teams that are out there that are quote-unquote interested in J.J. Watt, and I know I'm kind of switching things here, but... No, you're fine. Um, a lot of these teams have one, but not both. And... The Browns are one of the few teams to where, like, there's no, like, there's no notch in the negative for 
like signing J.J. Watt. Like with, with, with the Steelers, yeah, he can go play with his brothers, but he's going to have to essentially take next to nothing in order to do it. And probably not have a chance at a ring. He's gonna, I mean, that's right. the, the, going to the Steelers for J.J. is purely for family. Like right. you're, you're not going to win a ring there at least next year. Right. And you're definitely not going for money, if, if at all. You know, I mean, he's going to sign a league minimum deal <coughs> to not win a Super Bowl for the sake of playing with his yeah. brothers. That's what happens if Pittsburgh ends up signing yeah. him. Um, I, I know Tampa Bay has been floated out there just because, you know, they have Brady, they won the Super Bowl, they're going to be involved and, and in any free agent uh, Chiefs that's available. As well. I mean, Chiefs as well. I mean, they're another team that, I, I mean, I don't know their, their cap number uh, where they're at, but I can't imagine they have much, much room. Um, They've done some tricky things with Mahomes' contract. Yeah. They actually have more room than you would think. Right. Um, not as much, like not nearly as much as the Browns, but they've with their extensions, the way they've structured them, it's kind of ridiculous of how much space they still have. Yeah, I have noticed that. In the last couple of years, who they, they've signed? So they've signed Mahomes. They signed Chris Jones. Uh, who else have they signed to long-term deals? Tyreek, have they? Kelsey. Have they signed? Oh yeah, Kelsey, yeah, Kelsey was one. one. I don't think have they have they. I don't think they've done Tyreek though. Have they? No, well, well, he he was in the situation where you know where he allegedly threw his girlfriend down a flight of stairs. Yeah. So no team was going to give him a bunch of money. He's getting the Kareem. But like you have Mitchell Schwartz, you have Eric Fisher. Schwartz, yeah, they're all they have a, linemen. Yeah. Yeah. They have a lot invested in Tyrone Matthew. That I don't think they paid a ton for, but still, that's a contract. Yeah. So I mean, that's an option, obviously. Um, and then, you know, a team that we've already figured out how familiar you're with, uh, the Packers. You know that's the uh, that's the the feel good go home scenario. You know, end your career. Uh, I don't think he's from Green Bay. I know he's from Wisconsin. I don't know if he's from Green Bay, but like that's like that's the that's you know that's the only NFL team in Wisconsin. So it's essentially like going home. So hey, you're two hours from where he played college ball in Madison. Right. Yeah. Um, so I I know I know for me I think it comes down honestly I, I really think it comes down to the Browns and the Packers for what. Um, and we'll see. I mean, I, I, don't I think know what you guys think. But. Yeah, I mean, those are the two that are that seem the most obvious to me. I guess the question that I have is, what is the what's the number going to be? You know, everyone keeps asking. Like, we're talking about it like it's a foregone conclusion that we definitely want JJ Watt. And don't get me wrong, from a talent perspective, of course, it would be really, really fun to see him get healthy. Had a rough year last year with the injuries, but for him to get healthy. Well, he was actually healthy last year. He played every game last Did year. Did he play every game? He played. I thought he was he, actually one of his more. He healthy played. Years. He played ninety. Uh, I thought he, he played, was hurt early. He played ninety-one percent of ninety-one percent of Houston's defensive snaps last year. Mm-hmm. He was also for an interesting. I, maybe it's because it's and you know it's not a Jordan, not a shot. It's because the Texans don't have anybody else on defense. No, the defense. Why, they're, 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 they're why defense he was double teamed was so, more than any other player? Right. I, I think his in well, I don't want to say ineffectiveness, but I think his lack of like stats. being what he normally is is because. Yeah. The defense was so painfully bad last year, yeah. Yeah. so I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, but but imagine their, like their defense was, their defense was terrible. I mean, their defense was. He lost JV and Clowney, didn't replace him with anything. Yeah, right. so everybody right. focused on JJ, but also he's going to have Miles Garrett here. But even more importantly, you don't have to play him that many snaps. That's the biggest thing with with keeping him healthy. Yeah. Is he's a guy who's thirty one, going to be thirty two, and for the Browns because we already have that dominant pass rusher. You know, you could have J.J. Watt playing on predominantly only passing situations, passing downs. Um, he doesn't have to play nearly 90% of defensive snaps like he did with the Texans. Um, you could kick, you know, you could do a bunch of things with him. You can kick him inside, um, passing downs. Uh, you could have him, 
you know, you can flip-flop him and Miles Garrett, have Miles Garrett rush against the right tackle, JJ rush against the left tackle, switch it, um, and JJ with Miles Garrett out there is never going to see a double team. Well, that's, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, op- the options are, are, it's a spectacular situation that we can picture our pass rush in, especially <coughs> given we don't know what's going to happen with Olivier Vernon. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. Don't count anything. I don't. Yeah. yeah. I don't see him coming back, and if, if he does, coming off that injury, who knows what he'd even be. Right. Um, I'm excited. This is this is a little bit interesting. I, I don't know what's going to happen with Sheldon Richardson interior. I mean, he's going to make. He's due to make a lot of money. I don't know if we're desperate enough for I, our cap situation is not bad, but it's not great. I think what are we like tenth or twelfth in cap space? So we're we're in the top half of the league maybe top third, um, but I don't know. I love Sheldon. I hope he doesn't go anywhere. I hope we don't do anything crazy to save a couple bucks on him. But we're also going to get Andrew Billings back. We signed him as a free agent away from Cincinnati last year. He's not like he's not a showstopper, but he opted out because of COVID. I'm just excited to get him back because we're probably going to lose Larry Ogunjobi to free agents. I think that's probably that's probably the reason why we're going to lose Larry. Yeah. Is, uh we know we have Billings in the back pocket. Well, someone's going to Joe Schobert us with him. They're going to pay way more than they ought to, and we're not going to match it. Like, I, I really liked Joe Schobert, but I, the contract he got from Jacksonville was crazy. Yeah. If Ogunjobi would have popped this year more, I think you would have seen the Browns looking to move Richardson or move on from him and try to keep Larry here. Yeah. I think it was an either-or of, yeah. we have Sheldon a year after under contract, so if Larry doesn't pan out, we don't have to pay him a ton. We have the one-year stopgap. We have Billings. We got Jordan Elliott in the draft last year. Didn't have yep. a great rookie year, but he's someone that's in the plans. And yep. then you can beef up the line in this year's draft of free agency. Yeah, I, th- um, I think you could. I think you got to keep Sheldon. Yeah, no, and and I, I think you could see the Browns approaching Sheldon kind of like what they did with Vernon last year, where they restructured his contract, gave him maybe a little bit more guaranteed, but lowered the number. Um, I don't know what I, I don't think Richardson has any money guaranteed on on this last year of his contract, so maybe. You know, you tell you you throw him some guaranteed money, and you lower the number a little bit, and maybe that gives the Browns a little bit of cap relief because I think he's slated to make about like twelve million next year. I thought it was yeah fourteen, twelve, yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe you can like you know make three quarters of that guaranteed, but lower the number to like nine. Yeah. And maybe that could help you get some relief uh, cap space wise. Because I'm thinking like, what are we gonna do? I mean, there's. And, Chris, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, but I think it's a pretty universally held belief that defense is where we need to spend most of our attention oh, God, in terms yeah. of the offseason. There's very God, few God, things God. that we would want to do. I mean, short of signing Wyatt Teller to an extension or figuring out when they're going to extend Baker, um, most of what we're going to look at this offseason is going to be who, what free agents are we bringing in and where are we drafting. So, I mean, drafting 26th overall, I, it's funny, like, I don't know what positions typically go in the late to f- late first round because, frankly, I don't pay a lot of attention because we're never yeah. there. <laughs> so I don't know what we're going to do. Right. That could be if we lose out on the J.J. sweepstakes. Maybe that is some edge rusher that's there. Maybe it's a, a, a linebacker. Maybe it's – I don't I don't know if there's a, a, a corner that might fall. Like there's Everyone seems to be um, – I think it was uh, the, the mock draft I saw, the other, McShay's first mock draft had quarterbacks going one, two, three, and 4. I don't think that that will hold. But no. by 26, those four guys will be gone, I'm sure. Oh, right. So, like, I, I don't know the order of events, but I, I can imagine that um, I'm going to be – I'm going to be. I'm going to have to do some more homework on who the hell gets taken at the end of the first round because this is a new experience for me. Yeah, I, uh, I, I wonder if 
just going back to the J.J. Watt thing uh, just a little bit, um, I wonder if the Browns approach it a little bit like uh, we're going to take the money that we gave Olivier Vernon last year and kind of, you know, bring that to the table with uh, with J.J. Because I know, I know a lot of people are saying, like, oh, I want to sign J.J. Watt, and but I don't want it to be for X amount of dollars. That's me right now. And I don't know what X is. Is X, like, what's fair value on J.J. Watt per yeah, year? Right. Is, is it is it 8? Is it yeah. 15? Is it somewhere? I mean, he. I don't know what the number is. Like, Chris, do you have any insight on, like, what, what do you think he could command? So he was going to get 17 this year. Yeah. Um, he's obviously not going to get that. So I think if we go down from there and we start looking at the 14 range, depending, and this again comes down to what does he value more, money or winning? Right. Um, if he values winning more, I like the Browns' chances because even if it's between the Packers and the Browns, the Browns have a little more cap space, but the Packers don't have so much that the Browns would have to offer him a ridiculous amount of money to get him. Like if he says winning's where I want to be and it's Green Bay and Cleveland, whoever has the better offer, Cleveland's not going to open in that situation because I don't think Green Bay has that much cap space that they could even blow that offer up. And and Green Bay... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, I was just going to say, Green Bay is not not typically a team that you see go out and spend a lot of money on free agency. Yeah, that's changed a little bit since Ted Thompson left um, a few years ago, so they've changed that. But that used to be um, 100% their MO now, I don't know. Like, LeFleur might push him a little more as the head coach as opposed to Mike McCarthy. They might try to push a little more for Aaron now that you know, we get another ridiculous MVP season after they drafted Jordan Love. But maybe they see that window closing and are willing to spend a little bit more, especially if it's bringing home a J.J. Watt, a fan favorite years ago. Yeah. That defensive line all of a sudden is really good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean their their uh, their front seven is already really good, um, and their pass rush is already really good. Yeah, JJ Watt there, and that's that's uh, that's pretty substantial. Yeah, well, it's I mean it's a similar situation to Cleveland, and and Dan, I know you shared it earlier. I saw it as well. Mina Kimes was making that exact point, where like if a team is looking to like if a team is currently like they're close, but they don't really have a pass rush, bringing in JJ is going to be tough because. If he goes back to being the guy on the D line, he's just going to see a million more double teams, and you might not get to maximize what you think he could be. Whereas, looking at him on that Green Bay defensive line, or look at him here in Cleveland, he's again like, who, where the hell do you double team? Who do you? How do you neutralize the, all those threats? And the, the answer is, you you really can't. Um, Even if he doesn't get the numbers, someone else is going to. Right, exactly. Free him up. Yeah, and I mean, and it's like numbers wise, what else does he have to prove? You know, multiple time. Uh, Walter, Payton, Walter Payton Man of the Year, not to mention multiple uh, Defensive Player of the Years. I mean, numbers out the wazoo. He's, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer no matter what. He, he, at this point, he, sure. if, if he cares about numbers, it's purely I, – I don't think he's the kind of guy that really cares about numbers. But even if, if somebody was looking at that, like he's got nothing left to prove from that standpoint. Yeah. So if it's him or if it's Garrett or if it's an interior lineman, whether it be Richardson or Elliott, I, and I meant, I'm glad you mentioned Elliott because I actually I'm excited about Jordan Elliott. I think uh, he had some moments. He definitely didn't have a great year, but he had some moments that, you know, maybe he could be our next Larry Ogunjobi. And, I, God, I'm going to be so sad to see him go because Larry was the inspiration. My fantasy football team for the past few years was Rhymes with Ogunjobi was my team name. And that's uh, going to be hard to change. Uh, bye, Larry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating to see what ends up happening. A lot of this is happening 
There's a lot of, I mean, Dan made a good point. Uh, we were texting earlier where it's a lot of this is like agent speak right now, trying to pin one team against another to try to like, their sources say blah, blah, blah. And all of this is, it's pretty much, you know, JJ's camp is trying to find a way to drum up ravenous fan bases like us to, to see how we can put pressure on what team to, to make the move and, and overpay. Yeah, so I uh, I watched uh, a part of Pat McAfee's show uh, today actually, and it, he had uh, Mike Lombardi on, former Browns GM. I know his name is like saying Voldemort in this town, but uh, he he had a, a point, you know, talking about you know sources say that a dozen teams are interested in JJ Watt and a dozen teams have called and blah blah blah. And he's he said that <clears throat> he's like yeah, a dozen a dozen teams might be interested, but. He, he said, other than Reggie White, he's never seen in his career where more than two teams have actually tabled a, a contract offer to any free agent. So, like, the, the thought process that, like, we're going to get in this huge bidding war with, like, four or five teams, he said, that that, that almost never happens in the NFL. Like he said, the, the only reason, the only time he's ever seen it was with Reggie White, who was a transformational pass rusher, like, one of the greatest of all time, still in his prime. Like, J.J. Watt is a Hall of Fame uh, player, but he's not really in his prime anymore. He's not dead. No. Like his career's not dead, but it's not like, you know, getting 27, 28-year-old J.J. Watt. So I thought that was interesting to hear, like, and, and that goes, like, to me, like, the two teams I've heard the most for J.J. Watt, other than Pittsburgh because of the brother connection, is the Packers and the Browns. So I wonder if maybe those are the two teams that have maybe talked numbers with J.J. Watt. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm sure you're right, because at the end of the day, and especially like whenever a high-profile, uh, and this probably goes across any sport, really, if there's a high-profile name that's being rumored to be shopped, it's like if you're a GM of another team, just because you call out of curiosity to see what the price tag is doesn't mean that you're going to pull the trigger. It just you're not, You have to do your job as a GM. Sure. If you're a GM of an NFL team and there's a, a big name out there, you got to do your homework. You got to go at least make the call and see, like, hey, just for yucks, what's the price tag right now? And if it's something that's crazy or if it's something that you're not willing to part with, then you say, okay, thanks, have a good day. You did your job. It doesn't mean that you were going to do anything. You just got to do your homework. You got to do your job. So, so uh, chips down, money on the line. Who's JJ Watt signing with? I think he goes home to Green Bay. Well, relative home. I think he ends up back in Wisconsin. I would love him here in Cleveland. I I, I don't think it happens. Chris? I think I'm going to lean with the Browns with this one just because they have more cap space than Cleveland and they could put together, uh, I think, a more enticing deal. I think he was a big fan of what they did this past year and the locker room culture and getting to play with another dominant pass rusher. Darius Smith's great up in Green Bay, but being able to play opposite of Miles Garrett um, I think is a huge will end up being a huge part of this thing. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, actually. I I, and I, I don't know if, if maybe you're thinking Ryan uh, is a little, uh, you know, maybe Browns of the past. Like, the Browns would always flirt with these guys, but eventually it would just be like, Probably, like the, these guys would either, <laughs> these guys would like either use the Browns for leverage or the only free agents we would ever get were guys that were trying to cash in on that last contract and didn't really care about winning because the Browns were never winning. Um I, I tend to agree with Chris. I, th- I think it's going to be the Browns, and I think for a lot of the reasons you said, um, and I'll give you guys one interesting one, 
is I think it's a, you know, a lot of people are saying that he wanted, he would want to go to Pittsburgh to play with his brothers. I wonder if there's a little bit of that family rivalry competition, you know, type thing that could be going on with, with those, because I'm sure they competed in everything growing up. Oh, absolutely. Like if, if you're not going to go play with your brothers, why not get the opportunity to play against them twice a year, every year? Not at that point. Not to say that, that that's going to be like the tipping. That's like the number one like factor. But I think that's a cool little like underlying story. Well, yeah, it's it's all those things where like there's no way that that'll ever be a like a, a major point. But if yeah. all other things are equal and it's you know playing Green Bay or yeah. play against the brothers twice a year, like if everything else is equal, then you know what? Why the hell not? Um, yeah. That's it. I mean, it is an interesting point. It'll be it'll be interesting to see the timeline on how this unfolds because we're all, I feel like we're all really spun up about it right now and I could also see like this not being resolved for a while. You know what I mean? Like I yeah could like be free or, or or we could get the alert tomorrow morning. Well, yeah, it could be. Yeah, I could see it being done before. When does the and this is one of my favorite phrases: the legal tampering. The when does that window open? Do we know when free agents can do their? Is that when the league year starts? I don't know. I think yeah. that's like March 14th. It's usually around the middle of March. It's yeah. after the combine, usually. It's after the combine but and pre-draft. we're so screwed up with everything right now. March 17th at yeah. 4 p.m. There okay, you go. there you go. So, like, I can see it happening, like, in the next month before that. Yeah. But, you know, because the last I, thing he's going to want to do is somebody else say, okay, we're done waiting on you. We found a younger body somewhere else. Yeah. I think it happens this week. Well, I, it, it might happen at the end of the week. It might happen tomorrow. I don't know, but... I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. Like, yeah, we've been hearing the same thing about Carson Wentz getting traded from Philly. It was imminent. Well, that, last well, week that's, it was imminent. That's There's be- more pieces with the trade. Yeah, that's be- that's True. because the Eagles are delusional and think <laughs> they can get a first round, or, or in their case, they think they can get a Matthew Stafford type uh, haul, which is yeah. ridiculous. They're going to have to attach a draft pick to get rid of Carson Wentz. Talk about salary cap hell, by the way. This whole state of Pennsylvania is a bad way. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. It's gonna, yeah. it, it'll be similar to the Brock Osweiler trade that the Browns. Hey, it worked Browns out. We got did. we got Nick Chubb, man. Yeah, it that guy's Chubb. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Give me some um, do you think, Chris? Do you think the uh, the Browns uh, get a contract extension done with Baker Mayfield this off season? That one's. I, it's just a hard read for me. I don't know why. I feel like they should, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it seems like have a good first four weeks of this season. And then yeah. we'll, like, talk. Like, show us that it's not – we've seen Flash in the Pan Baker before. Him come out, look like a superstar, then be flat. But I think now that you have the stability, it's a fancy. You can be a little more aggressive. Be like, all right, show me something in the first few weeks that last year wasn't another mirage, and then we go from there and then kind of roll it out. Um, I just think this franchise has been hurt by quarterbacks too many times, and there's no reason to rush, honestly. It's not like you're bidding against anybody. I don't think Baker's – the kind of player that's going to make a huge deal in the locker room. I think he's a guy who wants to prove himself. He's always had that chip on his shoulder. So he'll just use this as more fuel as, instead of something to separate the locker room. I think it's something that might focus him in more. Um, and I just feel better with Andrew Barry at the helm, honestly. Oh, I feel like he's a more steady hand. He's not going to... I think, feel like he's a better relationship with some of the players, at least. And he's not someone that's going to do it just because there's public pressure and media pressure, I think he's going to have an honest conversation with Baker and like, hey, this is what we need to see. We believe in you, but we also have to do what's best for the Cleveland Browns before we do what's best for Baker. Right. And I think he'd be on board. I hope. 
I, the one interesting thing that I heard uh, just listening to uh, Sports Talk today was somebody was, I can't remember who it was, and uh, I apologize for not knowing this, but somebody was talking about <clears throat> the fact that if the Browns did it this offseason because he's not in his last year of his rookie deal, because obviously they're going to pick up the fifth-year option. Like, that's, you know, we're not debating that. <clears throat> but if they were to sign him to an extension this offseason, and it's it's kind of similar to what Kansas City did with Pat Mahomes. Now, obviously, Baker's not getting $450, $500 million uh, like Mahomes did, but they re-signed him uh, going into his fourth season and were able to take the signing bonus and spread it out over an extra year, which kind of, I don't know if this ties into what you were saying earlier about the tricks that they were doing with their salary cap, is that they were able to take his signing bonus and stretch it over six years meaning the two years he still had left on his rookie deal plus the four-year extension rather than five years if they waited till his fifth year and then did the uh, uh, did the contract with the signing bonus. So somebody said that to where that could provide the Browns some salary cap relief over the life of the contract. I don't know. I don't know all of the NFL jargon on contracts and all that, but that was just something that I heard that maybe would make the Browns a little bit more uh, – Apt to try and get something done this offseason. But. And there's there's also one other thing that I just thought of. Sorry. No, go ahead. Um, you got to race the other quarterbacks in that draft class, too. Because whoever signs first is going to set the bar. Right. Or Josh Allen, or if the Jets decide to keep Darnold for some reason, and he all of a sudden performs <laughs> well. Like, Old dead eyes. It's literally the first quarterback who signs an extension from that class will make the least. Everyone that you signed right. up to that, the price tag is just going to go up and up because that's the market regardless of what's fair or not. Right. Right. Well, because that's the thing is, like, you know, it's that right there, what you just said, fair or not, is quarterback money is crazy because it's not always, like, if you look at whoever's making the most money in any given year, it's almost never the best player. You know, like, Kirk Cousins for years was, like, leading the league in salary. And no one in a million years would say, no. and again, no disrespect to Kirk, but he's, he's not been <laughs> the... Uh, the league leader, the front runner, MVP yeah. candidate. He's he's never been an Aaron Rodgers. He's never been a Patrick Mahomes. Frankly, he's never really even been a Matt Stafford. I mean, he's like let's be let's be real. Uh, but he continued to take advantage of those franchise tags, and then he got paid with that fat guaranteed money. <laughs> like he, I tell you what, production aside, wins and losses aside, at least kudos to him and his agent for finding a way to game the system. He was he was essentially the first the first player in the NFL to sign like a fully guaranteed contract. Yeah. Like 80 I know million? it was shorter. It was only like 3 years, but it was like 3 years like 90 million and like everything was guaranteed. Yeah. Imagine being a fan of that team that signed Kirk Cousins to a fully guaranteed contract. Nice. For 30 million dollars a year. Again, not to say that Kirk Cousins is bad, but I mean Kirk Cousins isn't good. It's, yeah, right. <laughs> I was gonna say it's Kirk Cousins. Yeah, right. Well, speaking of, my, I tell you what, there's there's a good segue. Not just thirty million. How about forty million dollar year uh, for our former boy Trevor Bauer? I'll jump into baseball Whew. real quick. How about that contract? Holy smokes, man! I mean, he's going home. Good for again, him, man. Again, went to UCLA. Uh, his agent Rachel Luba. She's also uh, you know from that area. Went to UCLA at the same time Trevor did. Um, so it's a it's a homecoming for the both of them. Forty million. I mean that. So th- this is this is a, this is the thing that makes me very upset. I, 
baseball is my first love. Chris, I know you love baseball as well, or at least you used to. I don't know how you feel anymore these days, so we're gonna we're gonna get into that. But Trevor Bauer is going to make more money than at this point in time the Indians will be paying their entire starting day roster. What is what is baseball doing? How how do we how do we get here? That's not a Trevor Bauer issue. That's a that's a Cleveland Indians salary. Oh, the I issue isn't him making forty. It's the Indians not being collected. One thousand yes. percent. I want to be really clear. I I regardless of what you think about Trevor Bauer, because sometimes he's hilarious and sometimes he's off his rocker and he's a he's, he's he's a, he's a he's a polarizing figure and I understand that. Regardless of what you think about him, he. The things he says and does, it's good for baseball. Yeah. I, I really firmly believe that. This is not a Dodgers or Trevor Bauer fault or problem. This is absolutely I – I saw this on Twitter the other day, and again, I, I forget who to attribute it to, but a lot of people were talking about it. Baseball, instead of implementing a salary cap, they were proposing a salary floor. And on the one hand, that I don't know how I feel about that because then it's like you start paying – bunch of bozos some insane money that they don't necessarily deserve but <laughs> there's got to be a way to like i don't i don't know how we do it but there's got to be a way where we can get away from this type of scenario because there are, are there's several players it's not just trevor there's a handful of guys in the league who are making more money this year than the orioles will than the pittsburgh uh, pirates will how, what, what's up with the afc north and their baseball teams being cheapskates and garbage with the Orioles and the Indians and the Pirates, and, um, the, and the Twins got Kirk Cousins. And the Twins, yeah, and the, and the, yeah. <laughs> so it's a rough time for them too. The Twins got Kirk Cousins basically on a baseball contract, right? Yeah, pretty much. So like, I, I just, I, I don't know where you're at right now, uh, Chris, with the tribe, but like, I'm just kind of exasperated and over it. Um, There's your word of the day. It, yeah, I'm exasperated. Just, yeah, I just, again, kudos to Trevor for for getting paid, paid, paid. And I'm I'm happy for him. And and again, this is not a this is not a Trevor Bauer problem. This is very much a Cleveland Indians and the Dolan family problem. Yeah, it's definitely frustrating. Um, I don't think Bauer's worth that much because I don't think he's consistently shown that he can be a scion pitcher, as we all know. Right. With his bounds. Um, but again, like the talent's going to set the market. The market's going to be set by the best teams. But the fact that. You can pay a player a whole lot. Like it's, it's absolutely insane. I don't know how baseball fixes it. You can't put a cap on at this point. You're not going to get enough owners to vote for that because the major market owners still have more than votes right now. It's the team with the money and the number you get to need to have that overturn. Unless you get new owners and the Dolan sell and whoever owns the Orioles sells and brings in more wealthy owners that are willing to spend, it's not going to change. Yeah, and you know, I see a lot of people talking about Rob Manfred and you know the commissioner being the worst and blah blah blah. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is it's they they misunderstand what the commissioner does. The commissioner reports to the owners, so like you might not like Rob Manfred. I everybody who listens to this podcast knows I think Rob Manfred sucks. I'm not a fan of the guy, but from an owner's perspective, he's he's doing what he needs to do to continue to move this thing along. Now, you could make an argument that, you know, they're losing eyeballs. I think more people are paying attention to football and the NBA uh, than baseball. I, I don't know what the market share is necessarily at right now, but if you asked, like, a, the majority of sports viewers in this country what they would prefer to watch, I bet you that football games and basketball games would outpace baseball games. Um, 
And so, I mean, they're they're losing market share in my mind anecdotally. I don't know. I don't have the numbers to back that up, but I, I'd be intrigued to, to see what the numbers look like. I don't know what your programming shows. I mean, it's tough because college college is so different because college football and college basketball are such behemoths, and people are like, people play college baseball? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't I, I don't know. I, right, yeah. I know that it's, it's very much apples and oranges on, on that front. Um, but it's just like, I, I don't... I don't know what you do to fix it. I don't have great, great, great options, but it's just other than, uh, yeah, a new owner uh, stepping in and infusing a ton of cash and being willing to ball out. Now, I know that the Dolans spent, they, they, they did, they spent briefly there in 20, you know, 15, 2016 as we were making that push. And it almost worked because let's be really, really honest, sim- similar to what happened with the Cavs, if the Indians didn't choke away that lead to the Cubs and they won the ring, and now they were garbage in this position, I would be very upset and frustrated, but I would be able to fall back and say, well, we got our ring, so it was worth it. But we don't have that. It's like what people say about the Cavs now. That's what I'm saying. It's it's, it's just the inverse of the Cavs. Instead yeah. of, you know, we, and by the way, blowing that 3-1 of the Cubs was 1,000% karma for all the stupid 3-1 jokes uh, we all made <laughs> about the Warriors. That's absolutely karma kicking us in the ass. Yeah. And it sucks because I would trade six Cavs titles for a Browns or Indians uh, title. One hundred percent. I don't know how you guys feel about that. That's a, that's a, six a, is a lot. Okay, six is a lot. Maybe like three. I don't know. I, I would trade several of them for one Brown Super Bowl or for oh, one. Well, Browns, yeah. yeah. I mean, Browns is on a whole nother level. Yeah. But I don't know. that's just because I'm not as big of a basketball fan. But honestly, I I pay big attention. LeBron fan though. Big LeBron fan. Oh yeah, big LeBron. Fan. Legacy. Um, uh, I pay, I pay more attention to the NBA than I do baseball now, which is I never thought I would have said that. Ever. It's, it's super weird because it's not really who I am. But I, at this point, the Indians have completely lost me. I, <coughs> you know, don't, I don't care anymore. You know, it's, it, it's funny. Is uh, I can't. I think it was Mandy Bell. Um, she works for. Uh, she's a baseball writer. I, I don't know if she works for MLB.com or I think it's MLB.com. But anyway, she uh, she posted a picture of just the Indians practice uh, field down in uh, uh, where they play. Uh, we spring training. Uh, oh, Goodyear. Goodyear. Goodyear right. Can Goodyear. they afford the rent? No. So, so it was just, <laughs> it was just the, it was just the, the an em- the, the field was empty, no players, and I wanted to tweet. Oh, look at the Indian starting lineup. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it makes me think of the major leagues scene at the beginning where, uh, um, uh, oh, Her- Harry Doyle. What the heck's his real name? Bob Euchre. Bob Euchre. Gosh, what is going on with me? <laughs> he he goes. And listen to the roar of the crowd as the Indians take the field. And he points the mic out into the air and is just picking up nothing. Yeah. He's like, yeah. yes, sir, they love this club here in Cleveland. I, it feels like we're It's not going to be that bad. But I bet you it will be. No, I don't know. I think it really will. There was um, some projected uh, rankings came out um, a couple days ago. And they had the Indians in second place in the division. Who's smoking uh, what? Vegas odds have the Indians the third best to win the World Series in the division, behind the White Sox and Twins. I, I don't, I, I, we're gonna be a bottom feeder. Our, I bet you, I would be willing to bet that two of our five starting rotation pitchers are not gonna pan out. Tristan McKenzie's uh, velocity fell off a cliff at the end of the year. I, 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 I he weighs like eight pounds. He needs to, I, uh-huh. get it. I, Sticks, man. See, yeah. Sticks. Sl- another, another slim reaper. I don't know. I worry about. Yeah, I, I was gonna say. Jack dude over here. Yeah. 
<laughs> not anymore. <laughs> I got a little soft during quarantine. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I don't know. I just I, I I like Bieber. I hope he can maintain what he is. Um, Did you just say you liked the unanimous Cy Young Award winner? No, no, yeah, I, he, I like no, I like Bieber. He likes Bieber. I know, but the yeah. way you said it, like no. the unanimous Cy Young Award winner. Like, no, 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 no. I guess I like the guy. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, my my tone got a little. Chris, Chris, he Chris, he likes Bieber. He likes him. I do. Oh my I like god! Him. Thank God for that. Yeah, I know. I do. And then uh, who's next? I don't even I know. love this ball busting. I, I love it. I know. Who? I don't even. Who's who's our number two? Is it Savali? Uh, Plesac. Plesac. Yeah. He should go out to more clubs. That'll <laughs> he was he was under bad influence with Clevenger. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Dude, Clevenger's gonna fall so, so out. So I mean, once I mean, his elbow gets fixed, he's he's out in San Diego now. Did he get Tommy John? He's gonna isn't he gonna miss the whole yeah. year. He's not gonna miss the whole year. He'll be fine. It won't be the whole year. They've sped that up. Yeah. Oh, it's like yeah. ACLs now. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Not to not to yeah. get back into football, but I guess. Uh, OBJ's three month checkup. His doctor told him like oh, he's, yeah. he's never seen somebody come back this quickly from an, an ACL injury. That's what happens when you have nothing but pure spite fueling you. Yeah. I, I feel like more nobody talked like nobody's spoken about more on like a media like a national media level oh, than yeah. OBJ. ESPN's trying to will a trade for him to Tampa Bay. Oh god, judge me crazy. Anyway, back to baseball. Yeah, sorry. Um, um, so yeah, so it'll be Beebs. It'll be Beebs, Plesac, Savali, Sticks. And uh, we're forgetting somebody. Who are we forgetting? I don't know. That's not a good sign. That doesn't lead me to feel more confident. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, that's that's still probably a top 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 five top ten starting pitching staff in baseball. Do you think? Maybe I'm oh, being, yeah. maybe I'm being too harsh on Savali and Sticks. I feel good about Plesac and I feel good about Bieber, and that is not sarcastic. Who that are we is, forgetting? We're forgetting somebody. Uh, Cal Quantrill. Qu- yeah, really. Quantrill was... Plutko. Plutko. He was... Am I not... He'll mis- be in the pen. Yeah, I was... They were, say, they he's were, more of a pen guy. They were talking up Quantrill at the end of last season about being a starting pitcher yeah. for us. I mean, who knows how that'll pan out, but... Who was... Didn't we get a pitcher uh, in the Kluber deal who then got popped for roids? He'll be back. He's oh, he's Klasse, a, he, Yeah, Klaus, he's, yeah, he's a, he's back in. He's, he's gonna be like him and him and Karinchak's gonna be like our our setup and closer guy. I'm excited by the wild wild thing Karinchak. He's he's yeah. interesting. But I think I think like like you back to the starting pitching which you were yeah. talking about. We've been so spoiled the last de- the last half decade with our starting pitcher pitching. We've had three aces in our starting rotation for the last like five six years. Yeah. So like we have we have the best pitcher in the American League, and then we have a bunch of young guys who have a. a a lot of potential. Yeah. So yeah, it's not, it's not Kluber, Clevenger, you know, uh, Carrasco, and all that. But I know they have a lot of potential, and we have the best pitcher in the American League. So we'll see. We've been spoiled a lot longer than that. I mean, we had CC and Cliff Lee back to back. Very true. Like right. This this goes back a decade now of the Indians just having two Cy Young pitchers in their rotation at any given time. Yeah. Of eventually winning that award. Going back to CC, it's insane. I know, and the thing that kills me is like if you look at the team, the Indians teams of the mid to late nineties, they it was the exact inverse. We could just destroy baseball. Mash. Yeah. Like we could be down two, three, four runs, and it felt like a tie game because we just knew they'll figure it out. And and nowadays it's like we're we're gonna have pitchers. We've done this for the past few years, and it's gonna happen again this year. We're gonna have pitchers with ERAs in the twos and low threes 
and we're still going to be barely above 500 because we're we're not going to hit the ball. Well, are we going to score any runs? That's that's no. I mean that's a question. No, we just signed Billy Hamilton. Ugh. He's probably going to be like a, a, a like a somewhat staple in that outfield. I remember I, I remember us uh, being rumored to signing him like seven years ago. Unbelievable. And now we're. Framo Reyes. Framo Reyes is the key to this offense. Period. He 100%. needs to mash this year yeah. if they have any shot to do anything. Yeah, he has okay. to. He has Jose's to have gonna Jose, uh, It's going to be like. Eddie Rosario is going to do what he did last year, but if yeah. Fran, they need Fran Mill to just. Yeah, and Eddie Rosario is going to go. He's going to have like he's going to have three week stretches where he hits everything, and then three week stretches where he hits nothing. Yep. But yeah. but he did love hitting in progressive field. I do know that. True. So he did. He was hopefully that carries. He definitely over. crushed us when he came to town. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I I just don't feel confident in anything that we're doing with our roster. And so it's like, even if we do have a good, because you're right, I am probably poo-pooing the, the, the rotation too hard. I think that that's unfair. So even with a top, you know, third of the league type rotation, what are we going to hit? I really don't think we're going to hit very well. And I, I just, I don't know how we can seriously compete. We'll, we'll have some flashes where we have, you know, a, a, an outburst and we score a whopping five runs. And then, then we'll go right back down to getting shut out or two or three uh, runs a game. Our pitching is going to keep us in it all year. I mean, and that's what's going to be the most frustrating thing is we're, we're going to see, you know, we might occasionally win a game four to three, three to two, but there's going to be a lot of games that we lose like four to three, you know, two to one, you know, stuff like that. And that's what's going to make it really frustrating when you look back at the end of the season and we're sitting at like 78 and 84 or something like that or, you know, maybe we get above 500 and, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know what these people are uh, talking about. Like what you said on Twitter, having us as the, like. The runner-up to the yeah. impossible wildcard. I, I mean, I don't know. I, well, we'll see. I You know, Terry Francona is still our manager. Um, is he? Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, like, I'm afraid he's gonna, and that. I, well, right. <laughs> I'm just afraid that he's, you know, gonna have another midseason. Like, I, I legitimately worry about his health, and it, health is a thousand times more important than, than you know, a game. I get that, uh, but I am worried about going in. Like, hopefully, he starts the season and he can finish the season healthy. I just, I don't want him to be putting himself in a bad position. Yeah. And I also, you know, one of the things that Dan's talked about this before on the podcast and off is that. One of the hesitations we have about, you know, maybe the Dolan selling is that that's possibly the, the running the risk of losing um, the uh, the front the, the entirety of the front office and subsequently Tito Francona, because they seem to be a really tight group, and you know I'd be crazy to say you know to I've seen higher profile guys run out of town just because of regime change, and it wouldn't surprise me if that were to happen. Oh, and uh, yeah, any new ownership's going to want to They're bring not. in their guys. I mean, as successful as Chris Antonetti's been, and probably for him, you know, he's had the, uh, while he's not had the checkbook to work with, you know, he's had the stability of the organization with the Dolans to where, like, he knew, you know, where everything stood at all times. Um, you know, maybe if there's an ownership change, maybe he's the guy that, you know, some of the jobs that teams have, you know, come calling him uh, with that he's maybe turned down in the past, maybe he doesn't turn them those down anymore, because... I mean, Chris Antonetti could right, right now, you know, any job that comes open, he's going to be a front runner for any job. 100%. Um, and then I, I know Tio Francona's been on record saying that uh, the reason why he's in Cleveland is because of Antonetti, Chernoff, and those guys. So for me, 
we change ownership and you know Chris Antonetti and Chernoff walk out the door Tito especially with his health like he has no reason to, to continue to stay with the Indians so that, that that was my only worry but but I also I'm also to the point now where what's the point of having Chris Antonetti Tito Francona and all that if you're going to hamstring them as much as you are and I get it COVID has ravaged uh, these teams as far as revenue goes and you know there were going to be cutbacks and stuff but this was starting to happen before COVID ever started. The Indians had a $150 million payroll 2016-2017, and last year, before COVID hit, their payroll was, what, 80? Yeah. They essentially cut it in half over a couple years' stretch. They, they weren't going to sign Frankie before right. COVID. Like, yeah, that didn't change anything. Yeah, you hit but the I, but, but And this is hindsight. I wish, knowing what we know now and what we got for Frankie, we would have traded him last offseason. Yeah, we probably would have gotten more. It's hard to argue that we couldn't have gotten much less. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. The one thing I will say is with this organization is because they've dealt with such tight payroll for years, they have done a great job at finding diamonds in the rough, and they've done a great job at their scouting and their talent, you know, acquisition and development have been absolute aces. I mean, there's it doesn't – you don't accidentally develop that many, find and or develop that many quality pitchers. You know, I mean, they, they do their homework and they're good at what they do. But that exists, in my mind, one, because they're good, sure, but also because they're used to having to develop talent. They can't go out and buy it. They can't, they can't pay someone else to develop talent. I mean, we, we functionally, we end up the farm system for the rest of the major market teams, we, you know, the, the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Angels and the, all rest, uh, the Red Sox. Um, so yeah, I don't know. And uh, I have a quick fun fact, by the way, related to the Indians, specifically the outfield. I mentioned this pre-show. Uh, we all remember the name Brandon Geyer, yep. former uh, former uh, outfielder for the Indians for a few years. He and I, um, world renowned hit by uh, yeah. hit by pitcher La Pinata. Um, <laughs> That's his nickname. That is his nickname. Oh, is, is it? Yeah, oh. that was that, that was that was his nickname for like when they put their uh, jerseys on uh, the, the nickname game or whatever. <laughs> Uh, well, we're pretty much best friends because uh, he follows me on Instagram now. On the Whoop. Um, yeah, via via. So this all happened. This is so stupid, and I'm 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 not ashamed at how geeked I got about this. I was telling Jen, my girlfriend, about this uh, the other day, and she's just like, "You're such a dork." Um, I have one of those um, Whoop wristbands. It's similar to a Fitbit, but instead of measuring like steps, it's more about your heart rate and the activity you put in throughout the measures day. Measures your Whoop. Yeah, Whoop. And um, so I have one of these things. I follow Brent on Instagram, and he, he posted the one day about how he's got one. And uh, if you want to join that group that he's putting together, send him a DM. He's got thousands of followers. There's no way he's going to respond. So I shoot him a message. The guy actually responded. He goes, sure, keep an eye out. I'll add you here in a minute. And for a couple of days, it was me and him and, like, two other guys. Now we're up to, I think, like, eight guys in the group. And uh, he followed me on Instagram. Uh, he, like, returned the follow. He follows, like, 300 people, and I'm one of them. I was like, that's kind of cool. And uh, part of his whoop group. Yeah, and so he was. Uh, he and I were just like shooting the shit earlier today. There's a couple of us like chit chatting in this little Instagram group. Again, like the eight of us about like. Got to ask him who he thinks JJ Watt's gonna sign. I'll, with. I will follow up. I don't. Does he, does he like football? I, I have know. no idea. Where's he from? Is he like a? I also have no idea. Best friends with him. I know. I guess. Yeah. I, why are you what, asking us? I'm gonna do my homework. I'm gonna get to know my new BFF. <laughs> you're, you're the one who's best friends. <laughs> yeah. I just. I was talking about. This Tell us I, about your friend. I was like, holy shit and then i realized 
how excited I got about something that is so stupid and insignificant. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I couldn't help but laugh about that. But I'm just like, I remember thinking, like, I really liked him when he was with the Indians. And I, I just, it made me think back to the, that right. 2016 run, the 2015-16. Like, I just. He knew how to get on base, man. Just lean in. I tell you what, getting on base is getting on base. Whether you get a hit, get a, draw a walk, or get hit yourself. I mean. And didn't he, uh, uh, in, in the 20, in game seven of the 26. World Series. Didn't he get a double and get on second before Rajay hit that home run? I believe so. He did something. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I distinctly yeah. remember that. He was yeah. on. He was on second base. He, yeah. He, was a, yeah. He, he, he was a double, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then Rajay yeah. came up and yeah. smoked Chapman. That home run. And then was so electric. And then the rain delay happened. Oh, I know. I'm still. I'm still. Oh. Shook rain and the Kipnis foul ball that. Oh God! That everybody thought was a home run, in all actuality, <laughs> hit it a mile foul. Yeah. Okay, but when you see it head on, oh, I know. Look, <laughs> oh yeah. Look Any any time a guy hits a ball hard and pulls it, you think it's a home run. Yeah. Oh, it's rough. So yeah, that was. I just wanted to tell everyone I have a new BFF. I don't want to cry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we're going on an hour and a half, so uh, we don't want to keep you all night, Chris. But I wanted to ask you one thing before we got going. Uh, give us a. Uh, Give us a story about our pal Ryan here that oh, we might not know. Oh, that's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. <laughs> oh, man, Ryan's stories. Um, <laughs> this is so bad. Maybe something from... somewhere of us when we were in German together. We did a gong show and reenacted Anchorman in old German. <laughs> in yep. German? Um, yeah, Auf Deutsch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we finished it by singing uh, Afternoon Delight, Auf Deutsch. Nachmittag Freude. Were you were you Ron Burgundy? Ryan? I was Ron Burgundy. I hit, okay, so I hit Steve in the face with that Taco Bell. <laughs> what? One of friend, we went. Uh, we did the Jack. We did like random scenes that we felt like were funny. Um, so one of them was the I punted Baxter scene. So the <laughs> night before, we went to Taco Bell and got like a beef burrito and put it in a fridge overnight. Oh God! And then Ryan was <laughs> in his car and like we just we never like rehearsed the scene. It was just all right. So like. Steve's going to be on this tricycle riding along like it's a motorcycle. Ryan's going to turn like hit Steve in the face with the burrito. We're like, yeah, I'll just toss that up. Ryan <laughs> winds up. Like he's, you know, the guy he's kind of okay with being on the roster, Shane Bieber. Right, yeah, and yeah, yeah. just <laughs> drills Steve like two feet away in the face with this cold pound burrito from Taco Bell. Yep. Yep. Oh, wow. I tell you what, Steve took it like a champ. He, po- he did. He popped right up and delivered his line, and then he punted my little he Baxter. Punted Baxter. Yeah. <laughs> punted, the bad man punted Baxter. Yeah. So that was. I, I did my. Uh, I know. I know the line still too. The uh, I'm in a glass case of emotions. It's ich, ich bin in ein glaserne Kiste von Gestur. That's what? actual For real. That's where I dude. Chris knows I cheated more than anybody in German you class. You just in said Ryan got scolded during the play because all of us had our lines memorized and Ryan had a note card. And I got a note card. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was gonna say you just said seventeen words in German for four words in English. Yeah, yeah, I did. I said, I was like, and I here I am, like years over a decade later, remembering that line, but I couldn't. Well, because you, you had the note card. Yeah, I get. No, that one I actually had memorized, but oh. we, we were we were singing "Afternoon Delight," and uh, I thought we were allowed to have a note card, but apparently Frau <laughs> Parker was like, "Nah, dude." <laughs> she was not happy with it. <laughs> um, like Ryan used to before pickup football games if he would get pissed off. Like, if you would hit him or he'd get hit or something, oh, yeah. his, like, big move, like, to Hulk out was to take his inhaler and just and throw it and say, it. don't let me use it. Yep. And he 
he would just be wheezing on the field, running around. Just what? To... what? <laughs> Don't let me use I it. I was really stubborn, and I was like in this weird mentality of like, if you're gonna if you're gonna play like an asshole, you don't deserve your inhaler. <laughs> and wow. it was like that was like me like psyching myself up, and like instead of headbutting a wall or getting punching, going crazy, punching I, a wall, I would nerd out and chuck my inhaler yep. and be like, I'm not using it. Okay. <laughs> It's so stupid. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me right now. No, it makes you know. no sense. It yeah. never did, and it never will. Yeah. Anything? Anything from the uh, from the halls of SHS? Oh God. Other than German class? Che- a lot of cheating. I didn't do homework anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I was we bumming homework off. Best. Yeah. We were the best debate team possible. We took a debate class and we wrecked everybody that was good yeah we took yeah uh-huh. the speech and debate class was a fun that was actually one of my favorite classes that i, I ever took and, and we were we tried to be partners for damn near everything we did actually kick ass in that we did that was uh the topic the one in particular was uh is pete rose a hall of famer and we were the negative position and we just absolutely laid waste to our opponents and uh i remember it was um marini yeah, Miss Marini. She, I remember her being like legitimately impressed, and that was I was like, I'm not used to this because again, usually I was the bum, just getting by on last minute BS. We were in calculus together, oh, um, and when we got our AP results back, I think we each got ones. Yeah, it was not and good. We, <laughs> we told our teacher, who just like put up with us throughout the year and thought we were like we did all right, like we had B's in the class, like but he was just like fine with it. And then after we got the AP results, there was still, like, a few weeks left of school. He didn't talk to us for the rest of the year. No. Like, he took it as, like, a personal offense to him that we were so terrible on the AP test that it was just disgusting to look at us. Yeah, yeah. He was I, – I, we I feel like we were asleep <laughs> half the time anyways. I know I was. I was I was always conking out. Mr. Scott, I'm sorry. It wasn't you. It was sorry. the calculus. <laughs> But all right, that's enough. I'm afraid we're going to wander down some terrible territory here. So that's let's, some let's, dark let's, roads, yeah, let's some escape. dark alleys. Let, let me escape before anything gets crazy. So, uh, Chris, buddy, I do appreciate it very, very much. Uh, sharing a little bit about what you do, I think it's super impressive, and and I'm the stuff you've seen and done, the people you've met, it's super impressive. So I'm proud as hell of you, and I, I appreciate you taking the time out to join us and share about that, and then also just to chop it up and talk Cleveland sports because that's what we do here. So. Yeah, I appreciate the invitation. Anytime y'all want me back, talk Cleveland, anything, I'm in for it. I'm 100%, in dude. quarantine, and no one wants to talk <laughs> Cleveland sports anyway. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. That's all, yeah. that's all we did during yeah, quarantine. Yeah, right. We'll have you back. Absolutely. Uh, you can follow him at Chris Turlop on uh, Twitter. Uh, is it on Instagram as well? Yes. Uh, at Chris Turlop, T-E-R-L-O-P. And, uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on with us, Chris. And uh, we'll... we'll uh, uh, look to hopefully, hopefully, yeah, hopefully have you on in the future. Sounds like a fun, guys. Appreciate it. All right, uh, you can follow us at the LOTL Podcast. Uh, check out, check us out on our website lotlpodcast.com, uh, where we post all of our embedded links to our episodes. And uh, we will be back next week with another episode. Jimmy will be back, and uh, we will talk to you guys then. But until then, for Ryan Jordan. And our guests, uh, Chris, I'm Dan. You've been listening to Living Off the Land. And we will catch you next week. See ya.